When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the latest episode of The Other Side, it's an all-new Minifoot episode where we respond to listener comments and share our latest recommendations in the collector's corner. Plus, I share my latest paranormal video discoveries in our recurring segment, Bryce's Secret Stash. To subscribe to BCC The Other Side, go to patreon.com slash Club and unlock three to five exclusive episodes every month. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and, of course, share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our super producer, Riley Bray. Hey, boys. What's up, Hi. man? Happy Thanksgiving to you, fellas. Oh, shit. Is it Thanksgiving? Is it's this th- dropping on a Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, right before Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, most of our listeners are listening to this episode while sitting alone in their homes. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> exactly. As we'll all be doing this year. Uh, do you have any plans of no plans? Either yeah, I've got, I've got plans. We're actually going to just to like get the kids out of the fucking house we we booked a room in palm springs and we're not going to go anywhere in palm we might go for a hike or something but we're not having thanksgiving dinner probably or with family or friends we're just getting out of the house so the kids they're already excited about it they're they're ready to just you know pack up and their stuffies and a couple toys and they're looking forward to it already so i'm that's cool right it's like i'm down whatever yeah that's yeah nice. that works yeah grace and i are just gonna do nothing we we're Pretty actually happy about that situation. Yeah. I'm just gonna just hang out at home. It'll be nice. Yeah, I'll be alone with uh Violet and then uh probably a just like long, long day of Red Dead Redemption two, which I'm still <laughs> playing three months after I started it. Dude, just get but yourself a nice big bottle of tequila and throw it down. That <laughs> might be exactly what I do. I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a bottle of tequila shaped like a turkey and that'll be my <laughs> <laughs> my dinner uh let's let's find out what our guest is doing let's uh, do it uh she's an actor and improviser and co-star of the podcast i will write your book everyone please give a warm club scout salute to pam murphy yeah hi hello hi, hi pam hi. happy american thanksgiving you? to you oh thank you and to you and thank to you, you. Oh. <laughs> What are your plans for Thanksgiving, Pam? Do you well, have any? you know, funny you should ask. I have a birthday on Thanksgiving. What? Oh, my yes. God. Yes. It's well, a true Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. My brother has a, his is November 24th. What year is, what day is Thanksgiving this year? 
Thursday, a, the 26th. Okay, gotcha. Well, happy so early some, birthday. Yeah, sometimes his falls on Thanksgiving. Wow. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what a gift. Yeah. What an actual gift to be thankful for. Really? Really, honestly, That's amazing. Truly. So I have a little pod that two other people are in, and I'm going to go over there. Cool. Why did we form a podcast pod? This is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would Why make sense, right? Literally in the name of the show. Yeah. Why yeah. is it that the three of us have not gotten together really I don't know. All? Let's change that for the new year, uh, man. I, I miss the hell out of you, dude. Were you holding out for a better pod? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that... Maybe. Were you like, am I going to get... Uh, is a better pod going to come along? I can't commit the, to this uh, pod. Yeah. <laughs> who's, your po- who's in your pod, Pam? Who's in the... My pod squad. <laughs> uh, my friend Kirk and my friend Sarah. Oh, that's nice. Kirk. That's See, it. That's, that's a trio. That's what that's we got. Yeah. Bryce, leave your family. Yeah. And then uh, move in with me into my guest room. And then uh, Riley, you can bring Grace and we'll all just hang out in, in my apartment. I don't know why we're choosing my apartment <laughs> over Riley's house. But... <laughs> yeah, we can do it here. Yeah. Let's, right. let's start the commune. It's the, right. the time is nigh. It's you very have... minimal. It's not like we go out really anywhere at all. Right. You know, it's right. just very, this not, doesn't, it adds some human interaction, I guess, for us. That's about it. I hear that's important. I think it is. I think people need people. Bryce has too much people right now. It sounds like. <laughs> no, just, yeah, just a lot of, I'm getting a lot of family time. My wife's working long hours as a makeup artist and I'm, wow. I'm doing the, the dad thing and the online school teacher thing. Oh my gosh. So it's a lot, but well, what are you going to do? God bless you, daddy. Yeah. Uh, Pam, we like to ask all of our guests on this show, what is your personal paranormal history well it goes back far really all right uh, well i would well i'm from new jersey mm. and so we have the jersey devil i yeah. was gonna say stomp of grounds of the leeds devil <laughs> that's exactly right the leeds devil and you know what's weird is that i went to catholic school and we like learned about the jersey devil in catholic school it's like a fun thing <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> because it was in, it was just like, I don't know. It was just because we had a book. It was like our, like our history book, but it was about New Jersey. I guess there must be like a year when you're in grade school where you learn about your state. And it was like yeah. New Jersey and you. <laughs> and there was like a whole thing about the Jersey devil. Isn't that weird? That is yeah. so weird. Speaking like of weird, weird, there's a, there's a great book called like weird New Jersey. It's a couple yes. of authors who do state by state book. I think they started in New Jersey though. I don't I know. I think it, maybe weird New York was first and then maybe weird you're right. New Jersey yep. was the but next I love those one. Books. Yeah. 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 They're great because there's a lot of things like that in New Jersey where it's like, a you know, a burned out house or whatever that has some weird story to it or um, like in my neighborhood where I lived, we had like the pig lady who like, <laughs> like, you know, lived down the street and you'd have to drive down there without your lights on and whatever. And then there was also the glowing grave and you would like drive past this grave and be like, it's glowing. Wait, we need to stop and just like unpack <laughs> both of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First of all, pig lady, tell us more. 
Well, like, supposedly it was just like she lived down a lane and sometimes <laughs> she would, like, come out and get you, <laughs> you know? So you would, like, we would, like, as young kids, we would um, go to the movie theater and not go into the movie. It would like ha- it was how we could get, like, our parents to drop us off at the movie theater. Smart. And then older boys would take us cruising. (laughs) And we would like go past the glowing grave and we would go to like Pig Lady Lane. Oh, so you'd hit them both in one evening. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And not just once. (laughs) Not just once. And we would go to like... um, like day camps, like just a day camp, like drive past a day camp and be like, it's haunted and people were murdered there. That's mm. like what we would do on the weekends. That's very Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah. It's very Friday the 13th. I, I just, I don't want to harp too much on this, Pam, mm-hmm. but I need a little bit more. Was the pig lady called the pig lady because she had pigs or was she a pig lady because she looked like a pig? Oh, Which she had a pig head. She <laughs> had a lady body. She had a lady right. body. Uh, straight up lady body and a pig head. Weird. What and is it with what? that pig? Remember Amityville Horror? That's uh, in that, that famed haunting. Jody. Jody, Jody the, pig. the pig. Yeah. The demon pig in Amityville Horror. Now, was this house made of stone, straw, or sticks? <laughs> Good See, question, Michael. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be like, I don't even remember there even being a house there. It would just be like, uh, there it is. And we'd be like, go, go, go. <laughs> you know, like very for no... Scooby-Doo. Yeah, very, very Scooby-Doo. And why did the grave glow? Was it radioactive? I feel like it was just like the, it must have been like granite or some kind of like marble that must have, I mean, I'm just, you know, disproving it, but like the, um, moon shone on it there wasn't Mm. any real story about it it was just like it glows (laughs) (laughs) so but i was like all in for it and like my mom is from ireland and so she's very like superstitious she's very superstitious and she like believes in like i don't know banshees kind of or like they would like to tell stories like that I used to date an Irish lass whose family, she spoke Gaelic, and her family was dead serious about the Banshee. Like, there had been people in her family who had seen the Banshee before someone in the family died, and they Mm -hmm. it was no joke. I know, they're really stupid. My mom speaks Gaelic, too. I speak a touch of Gaelic, Mm. a dia gutch. Ooh, a <laughs> pig lady in Gaelic. <laughs> I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Um, oh, I can't even think of what woman is right now. Oh, well, whatever. So your mom, were you, you went to a Catholic school? Were you raised Catholic, Catholic as well? Yes. I was Irish raised Catholic. Catholic. Okay. Yeah, 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 I was raised Catholic. But I'm not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So what kind of stuff did you hear about the old world? Was there any like folklore that your mom would talk about? Well, she was like, she was into, I mean, like, you know, gypsies and curses and that whole thing. I mean, she was always into really superstitious things and bad luck, you know? Mm. So she was like, everything was bad luck. Like it's bad luck to cross someone on the staircase. It's bad luck (laughs) to like put your shoes on the table. Like who would put their shoes on the table? I feel like it was like, Things that were unsafe or like bad manners just became 
you know, my brother-in-law has that superstition about shoes on the table. I've seen him violently knock shoes from a table and say, no shoes on the table. And then he says it means war in the family. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's so funny. That right. At least yeah. That's funny because it's not like something you knew growing up. No, no. This is something after my sister married him. We, our family had its own uh, weird, you know, traditions. Like uh, we have to take the Christmas tree down the day before New Year's or the next year is going to be full of bad luck. That's our mm. bad luck thing. But uh, yeah, I never heard the shoes that you're the only other person I've heard the shoes on the table being a bad thing. Yeah, she would be like really superstitious. And she's also like constantly praying like still like praying like every chance she can get. It's like so <laughs> like OCD, you know, like doing a novena, which is like praying for nine days in a row in a very specific way. And so, um, I mean, <laughs> did she have any fun in her life? No, okay. not one. No, she's like a very fun lady, but I just feel like she, um, you know, she really, she's just like really superstitious. She's really superstitious about things. Like you should never tell anybody if like, if something good is going to happen, like you have something, if you're like, oh, I'm going to be a serious regular on a TV show. Oh. Don't tell a soul until right. like after, after everything, because if you tell anybody anything good that happens to you, it will it go away. Happen. It will totally be destroyed. So do you keep a lot of these superstitions yourself <laughs> or have you moved on from those? Um, I mean, certain things like I don't really pass people on the stairway just because I'm like, oh, it's dangerous. Right. Like I'll, I'll like step aside and let somebody go. And I wouldn't really like put my shoes on the table, but just not hygienic. I, yeah. Yeah. I think that there are like probably some things that like I don't even know that I still do them, you know, mm. or believe them. I think they're just like so like deeply ingrained and I'm just like, oh, I don't know why I do that, but I do. But she's, um. And like, I remember we would go to Ireland and she would get like really creeped out. Like if we were out at night and there's like a mist, we'd get like, really, like hurry up, let's go. Like there's no one around, you know? Um, so she would really get creeped out by it. Mist I kind of wish my mom had been more into this because I was scared of all, everything as a kid. I kind of wish my mom had been too. It would have, I don't know. It's kind of exciting now. It's, like, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to be frightened. Yeah. What's in, what's in an Irish mist? Like what, what's in, what's to be afraid? What, what ghosts hang out in an Irish mist? Yeah. I mist? guess like they just come out and I don't know, steal your soul or something. They want to, they probably want to like take your body. Sure. And use, and use it, walk around, go visit their pals. I'm trying to think, is there, is there like any, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the local sort of Bigfoot lore that comes out of Ireland and, and, and places like that. Do you know of anything like that, Michael, or, or you, Pam? Do they believe in Bigfoot in Ireland? I'm Googling it now, but Pam, what sort of, have you heard of any Irish cryptids? See, I've never really heard of any, but I feel like there's probably like Celtic things like yeah. warriors or whatever. Well, and there's the green man too, right? Uh, the old green man motif that must run through Ireland and as well. What's okay. the green man motif? Oh yeah. It's, it's the, it, it's sort of a, uh, 
it's it's usually done in statued carvings of this face of what's called like the green man and it's an archetypal nature deity and and it usually has foliage sort of coming out of its mouth leaves and vines and oh. and it sort of represents this uh well this nature deity you know almost like pan and and, uh, oh right, called, right, right. Called the Green Man, and and you can you could make a correlation between uh, the Green Man and something like Bigfoot. Yes. Okay. I there's something. So. There's something called the Irish Wild Man, who sounds very similar to uh, oh, okay a, a Bigfoot. And there's there's a Bigfoot. Okay, it's called the Woodwose. Yeah, or, sure. Or right, Wild that's Man it. of Ireland. <laughs> um, there you go. And. Uh, he basically, yeah, it's he, he's in the shape of a man, but he's covered in black fur. Uh, it seems like women like to shoo him off with money, perhaps. I don't know. I'm just getting <laughs> little glimpses of this. But yeah, so there is. I mean, look, he's in every cult. I mean, there's a wild every man culture. in every culture. Yeah, I feel right. Like. Yeah. Yep. Plus, um, like, I, you know, I, they were all like druids anyway. And, we, you know, they were everybody was like a pagan and did all kinds of rituals and stuff. Yeah. That's that old school stuff that drew. Yeah. That's that blot out the sun shit. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Um, So, uh, Pam, did you, after growing up, like as an adult, have you ever Mm -hmm. experienced anything that you're like, okay, I cannot explain that? I feel like, um, I feel like I have had, weird um like i'm just trying to think of like how to put it like i feel like there's some like so, like somebody is in the room or somebody is with me mm. like At i feel when you're sleeping or i felt something like that like um yes but it felt like somebody that I knew, you know, like somebody I knew that had passed away. That's what mm. like I had felt. That's like the only thing that really I don't feel like I've had any like super, super um, paranormal experiences. I mean, and I tried. <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> I'm, on doing show. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. I'm putting the work. I'm doing Doing tell, my practice. Tell us a little bit more about this moment. You felt a presence. Can you can you talk to us about that? Is that. Well, I do. I just to? feel like. um I felt like I was touched. I felt like I was touched, but and I wasn't scared of, of it. Mm. I felt like I was being touched, and and I did. I wasn't like frightened or scared, but it made me be like, "Oh, I know it's you, and I know you're there." Mm. Interesting. And that was it. But like, um, it. I don't know. That's what it. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like you were wide awake at the time, or yes, I was yeah. wide awake. It wasn't like I was like I've had where um, I used to have I used to have like night terrors. I guess I used oh, to live in join the club. I used to live in Jersey City in like a it was a um, you know a brownstone. It was built in like 1920, and it was and it didn't happen like after I moved. But the whole time I was there for a lot of the time, I would have like sleep paralysis and it would be like a thing would come in the window from like down the hall and my doorway would be open. It would be like kind of a guy, kind of like like a Bob from Twin Peaks kind of a guy, but like, like the way he moved, like creeping like that coming at me and um I, you know, couldn't wake up. I was like totally paralyzed and he was like coming at me, slowly coming at me. And I would have to be like, nah! 
bleh, like try to try to yell and try and wake myself up before he got to me. Did it and work? It would, yes. I would like get myself, I would like wake myself up. I would like really actively try to like wake myself up. But I felt like I was awake when it was happening, you know? Right. But I was just like paralyzed. It wasn't like, and it would be like the light would be on in my bedroom like I fell asleep with the light on or the light would be on in the hallway it wasn't like it was completely dark like when people say they have sleep paralysis and they see like a guy standing at the foot of their bed or whatever and it's dark or it's a shadow it was like I could clearly see this person and I thought it was really real what did he look like he was like I just like feel like he was wearing shorts a short sleeve shirt (laughs) like I feel like I saw his arms you know, yeah. so and like, he had he was Jersey very sure this is like a Jersey Shore dude. <laughs> yeah, he was like um, he had like a tan and his hair was slicked back <laughs> and he had like an Italian horn necklace. And no, um, he he did have dark hair and it was like kind of short, but it was like as if it was cut with like a butcher knife or whatever. His face was Whoa. really, you know thin like skeletalish looking you know sure. but just like somebody who has like a very thin face and he had like deep set eyes but he had eyes and there were like eyeballs in them that's good like, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> is it <laughs> well it's better than no eyes just deep sockets yeah i guess but like the weird thing was so there there the way it was it was like the kitchen was an addition onto the house so there was like in the hallway there was like a big huge window and um, it like somebody could like kind of climb from because they were like, you know, all the houses are connected. Somebody could kind of like climb on the roof and get on the roof and maybe like come in that window. So that's why it felt like it was really real. Yeah. But then if you but then, if, OK, say let's unpack this. If it was a mm-hmm. real dude who was just sneaking up. The it wall, wasn't. I wasn't a real dude. Right. Because you say when you wait, pull yourself out of it, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone. Did He's you gone. give this entity or this figure a name? Did you call it anything in your imagination or no, out loud? I didn't. Okay, that was a mistake. I no, I all the entities him. need it. No, I'm just no, kidding. I no, yeah, no, no, you I did the right so. thing. Yeah. The guy, the guy, the, the guy. guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was like, I was terrified, and it would happen a lot. And I was like, oh no! And I felt like it was like very, very real. It, it's funny because like. I had done work on the house, like, you know, remodeling it or whatever. And like we exposed exposed brick and like pulled down all the plaster. And it was like really old, old plaster. Oh, wow. And the plaster they used was gross. There'd be like just balls of hair in the plaster uh. and like garbage in the plaster. Like, I guess they would use anything then for insulation. Yeah, to make to make plaster, it would be like plaster, but stuck inside the oh, plaster weird. was just like goo and gunk and balls of hair. It was that's really weird. Strange, yeah, that's not normal. Yeah, where's just that like, hair coming from? I don't know. I was like, I assumed at the time that it was like horse hair, but uh. it could be people hair. I don't know why there would be like chunks of hair stuck in it. Doll hair. Yeah, doll hair, not that's, people that's hair. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, weird. they say, you know, they say that um, a lot of hauntings occur when a house is being renovated mm-hmm. because the spirit disturbing in, it. Yeah. The spirits in the house are kind of getting shook up by tearing down walls, ripping down plaster and all that stuff. So that correlates with a lot of like 
stuff that I've read. Great. About so I brought it on life. myself. I brought it on myself. I deserved well, it. It doesn't. No, it's not a punishment. <laughs> it's just, That'll teach you to renovate. Ugh. Oh, I think we have more to unpack here, Pam. Um, <laughs> But well, I, I think but, what Michael's saying is it definitely doesn't sound like it was just imaginative or, no. you know. It yeah, because like, it, it, it's weird that it doesn't happen here. It doesn't yeah. happen here. It didn't happen before in, you know, in a different location. And the like I've never had it happen weird. before. And yeah. the consistency of the guy, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm somebody who's had like sleep paralysis and night terror stuff, but it's always something different every time. It's always something terrifying or oh, strange. Really? But uh yeah, I haven't had anything that's been like that consistent every time. That oh. that that to me sounds like maybe you were you had one foot dipped in the uh, haunting haunting category. Oh, that could be because I didn't realize that. I assumed it was like when people have sleep paralysis, it's just like the same thing happens every time. Well, we've heard that. We have definitely heard like, oh, I see the same, you know, weird shit. Like you said, like shadow entity or something. Right, right. But. Mine tend to be different every time. And fortunately, I don't, you know, if I just go to therapy and talk about my anxiety, then it, it happens a lot less than, oh. it, uh, you know, uh, it's when I, when I don't do that stuff that it tends to happen. It's just how my stress and anxiety manifests itself. Um, but this sounds, I don't know, especially since you were knocking down walls and stuff like this, it sounds like maybe there was something. And what does your gut tell you? Um, my gut tells me it was something weird. Yeah. But like I it mm. wasn't like anything else kind of happened there. You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. never like um I mean, but th- I guess that's pretty scary. That's scary enough. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like so overt that it was like lights are flickering or like dishes or you know, it's not like Amityville horror or whatever, right. poltergeist or something. Mhm. You know. But what do you think about all that stuff? Do you I guess do you uh do you believe in sort of ghosts and spirits in the afterlife and, and haunting? Do you do you think that stuff is real or do you I go back and forth. Yeah. I go back and forth. Um oh, that's my Is your dog being. barking at a ghost right now? Yes. Turn around and look. <laughs> you know what's now funny, might though? be the chance. My old dog would like stare at stuff into the distance and I, I would always oh, say no. that he saw dead people. Yeah. And this he he was like, I had this dog at that house. And I was like, oh, he sees dead people. He like, he's, cause he's like looking, it was just really kind of weird. He would like, oh, wow. really pay attention to like nothing that was there. I'd be like, what are you looking at? At yes. the house in Jersey city? Yes. Pam, at the house in Jersey city. You yeah. had a haunted house. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call yeah, it what it is here. I like, I like real. kind of um, joked about it. You know, <laughs> I, w- I would just be like, I see dead people, <laughs> you know? Um, and I didn't really think about it until now. Because I do think that, like, the more you pay attention, you're more attuned to it. Maybe the more you'll pick up of it, you know? So, and I think, I do think that, like, some people are more attuned to whatever, energy or something than other people. Um, So I do think that. I feel like I go back and forth. Like, when I was younger, I was, like, all in 100%, you know? And then I guess because I couldn't time travel myself, I was like, it must not be anything or something or because like I didn't have like a real kind of super experience. But I do think that like some people are really more attuned to it, uh, to like the energies because it's like, who knows? We don't know. How do we know? I have no idea what happens. And it's like, you know, 
the universe is just constantly like recycling energy. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it has to go somewhere. And then we said that exact same thing on uh, our last week's stories of high strangeness was about children with past life memories. And, and uh, you know, some of these things, these kids recall, it's just, you know, you can't, it just makes for a strong case that they're experiencing something that, and, you know, and, right. and the data would lead you to think that, okay, well, uh, they're e- they either have these tremendous psychic abilities and they're picking up on these sort of, you know, psychic bundles of information or mm-hmm. that perhaps what they're saying is what's going on, that they remember these past lives of of people. I'm reading this, this, this book and uh, there's a few chapters on mediums and, 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 and how they go about, uh, there's this one institution, I believe it's called the Windbridge Institution and, and, uh, and they go about certifying mediums and, and sort of the rigorous tests that it takes to, to, you know, get these qualifications and some of these tests they undergo, I mean, they, they, they sort of kick out 80%, but but the twenty percent sounds like get, a cutthroat medium. It school. is a cutthroat <laughs> medium school, but uh, but some of these tests that they they go through, you're just left with no other choice but to go. Okay, either the soul or the spirit survives, or there's which is called the survival hypothesis, or the only other way is just these people are picking up on these incredible psychic packets of information, which is the alternative theory, which is called the living agent psi. Uh, psychic theory, but but yeah, it's just something is going on out there, and I think you're right. People are more sensitive to it, yeah. um, and I think it is does have to do with frequencies and and stuff like that. But I don't and know. Even you- like kids are probably like, I don't know. You're more in tune to it when you're a kid because you haven't been like jaded by the world or like yeah. taught to go to school and wake up on time or whatever. So you're yep. just like. Have time to dilly dally and be like, oh, right. Yeah. You know, I had a a thing before. So maybe you're like more in tune to it, like when you're younger and then you kind of, you know, if you don't like stick with it or, you know, other things kind of distract you. That's the theory is that as you approach the age of like six or seven, your new life kind of starts to really settle in and you start losing memories of your past life until it's it's kind of like a dream, you know, that you sort of fades away now your mom pam mm-hmm. did she i'm wondering you know as you talk about how people some people are just in tune now did your mom ever experience something did she ever tell you a ghost story that kind of cemented her superstitions or anything like that no or- like she never really told me any kind of ghost story or um you know like that she had a feeling so you know so much like that she had some kind of instance, not really, but she would go to like, um, like a like a fortune teller on occasion. Like she believed in that. Mm. She would go to like a fortune teller for sure. Divination. Yeah, and I mean, I've gone to you know fortune tellers or mediums or whatever, and I've gone to some that I didn't realize till much later that I was like, oh my god, that's so crazy. Mm. That was so true because. Um, like when I was a teenager, I went to this guy, I worked with this woman who was like from Italy and she was like, you have to go see Henry. And you, he, you would go and he would start talking and his eyes would kind of like be rolling in the back of his head. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he would just kind of like, you were supposed to record it like with a tape recorder. <laughs> um, and he would kind of just, I think he would like move a pen back and forth back oh, and wow. forth back uh, and forth 
And then um, automatic writing. That's what that that is. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like not, you know, it wasn't anything that he was like saying or whatever, but his eyes were kind of rolling in the back of his head. And um, this was like, I was a teenager, my friend and I went and like, first of all, the um, tape recorder did not work. It didn't work later. Like it didn't record anything of what he said. Mm. Um, But Lee, who was like the Italian woman who referred us to him was like, he, you know, like he's amazing. He's so good. And I was just like, Oh, that was weird. And then much later I realized like, um, things that he said came true, you know, mm. like 20 years later or whatever, because he was like, Oh, you have, a- <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. He was like, you have a female problem. You have a problem. You have like a disease, a female disease. And I was like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? You know? You're a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Being a woman is a disease. <laughs> um, so then when I was like 36, I got breast cancer. And I was like, that fucking guy. Whoa. Like knew it. And then he said to my friend, um, I mean, this is like really terrible. This is actually kind of bad. This is worse than breast cancer. <laughs> but he said to my friend, he was he was like, um, your brother, he has trouble breathing. He has trouble breathing. Um, you know, he, he can't breathe. There's something with his throat. There's something with his throat. He can't breathe. He can't breathe. And she was like, I don't know what he was talking about. I don't know what he was talking about. And then, like, in his 40s, he hung himself. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Whoa. And he, because I specifically remembered after it that, because I remember going to see him. And I remember him being like, he has trouble breathing. He has trouble breathing. My friend was like, he kind of has asthma, but not really bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And so it was just like, I was like, that fucking guy. It was so weird because he was like, he was kind of old, but he was kind of slow and he talked like really slow. And so oh. I was like, there were things that I was just like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then you're just like, oh, my God. Well, and is- the the weirdest part about that whole thing was at the end of the session, he held up the piece of paper and he drew a perfect rendition of Garfield. <laughs> and it said, <laughs> I hate lasagna. And I was like, what? How you got you? it wrong. This so... He was seeing into the like far way future. future, like whoa, way future. So also, I was like, I love that you're this woman is like, Oh, you gotta go see Henry, <laughs> and he's just like, You're gonna hang yourself, your brother's yeah. gonna kill himself, yeah. and you're gonna have breast cancer. God, I know, but he must see it. Like, I was just like, He must see the whole shebang, you know yeah. what I mean? Sounds he's like, like sees the whole thing, and he's giving you like the tidbits, and I'm just like, Am I gonna? have a boyfriend or what <laughs> you, you have know? the disease of the memories <laughs> is he cute <laughs> are we gonna go to the glowing grave together oh my god exactly that's all i cared about <sighs> so he was like one that like He's one person that I was like, oh, shit, this is definitely 100% for real. Then I went to like, um, recently I went to a medium because my dad had passed passed away a year and a half ago. And I was like, um, she was like, you can connect with one person. Who do you choose? And I was like, well, my dad, you know. And she would say stuff. And I was just like, she, you know, 
she was saying stuff like as if he was there, like communicating with her. Mm. And something she said, I was like, oh, Jesus, like that's him. That's him. And but my dad had a nickname for me. And I was like, if she says his nickname, like I'm going to, you know, lose my shit. You know what I mean? But like if he says it, if he says it Mm -hmm. and but she didn't say it, she didn't say it. But there was like other things that were like so really right on. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's I, that's what I was reading about is the personality comes through, but oftentimes I mean I I mean so mediums are there to do a job. They're they're there to like, you know, do a reading for the for the person sitting there. And a lot of the time these people from the other side, these deceased entities, they look for, you know, kind of confirmation things like nicknames and stuff mm-hmm. like something to give you a clue that this is real, this is the person. Um but it's interesting. I I don't know. Yeah, it was. And even at the time, I was like, that's not like him. That's not him. And then later I was like, oh, that was interesting. Oh, that is maybe true. I do feel like we walk into these things with sort of a um, preconceived notion of how it's going to go, whether you're a skeptic or a believer. And sometimes just you kind of have to get out of your own way and then later go, oh, okay," you know, because I feel like sometimes people like like when you were younger, like, I want to know about my love life. What are they going to tell me? And then they're just telling you some weird shit that may may not make sense to later. Mm-hmm. But did you not find it discouraging that so you didn't find it discouraging that like the nickname didn't come up because that would have been like gold. Affirmation I know for me. it would have been gold. It would have been gold. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like, I think the thing is, too, is that like, um, you know, just because, you know, there's a lot of people who rip people off or whatever, you know, yeah. that you like you go in as a skeptic and you're like, prove it, prove it to me, you know. Right. Um, But also too, like whatever happens, if he's like a ball of energy or just whatever doing his thing or something, um, you know, like on the other side or whatever. Who knows if he's like, I specifically know you know, what your nickname was or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Like, it's just kind of like like, like the way things are perceived are probably different. Or the way things are received as well for, right. you know, for that person. Yeah. I think sometimes, too, you just have to go... I think, I think anytime you're like, okay, I am paying money to do this, whether it's a tarot card reading or a, a medium, a reading with the medium... You kind of at that point have to sort of you don't have to suspend suspend your disbelief, but you basically when I've done that in the past, I'm like, okay, this is just like me paying to go get a massage or go see a movie. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you have to be a participant. Yeah. And you have to sort of just say you kind of have to go in with the idea of like this is just going to be for entertainment, you know, or just sort of like, I guess all my (laughs) I guess it means that I go to massages for entertainment and I might want to walk that back. <laughs> but, uh, oh my God. Oh my but God. I think if you go in with that attitude of like, prove it, prove it, you're, yeah. you're losing the point. You're missing the point, which is like, just take the experience and then take what you can out of the experience, whether, whether right or wrong or real or not, you know, you can still find some truth in it as an experiment, I guess, right. is, mm. is my point. Yeah. And not and not take it so so literally, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, that being said, I mean, if you if you do, you know, 
go to a medium or somebody like that, I would I would look for some some clues as to your verification. I mean, if they're a good medium, they should be able to, you know, if they're really contacting the deceased person you're looking to contact, there should be verifiable clues there. Yeah. I sure. mean, like, she did say things that were accurate. You know what I mean? Like, um, what, like he was old, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like right. it, it could be, and he died recently. It's not like, you know, it could have been like, oh my, you know, I was 18 and my dad died or like, you know, and anything is possible, right. I guess, you know? Right. So she was like, oh, he's old. And just like, the other thing too, is that like, um, yeah, like I feel like you have to be there for it. You know what yeah, I mean? You just have yeah. to be there for it. It's not like you like I don't think you you know, I'm sure some people go in being like hanging on everything and like maybe being like, oh, you know, just really wanting everything to be true or something. But I think if you're just like, oh, I'm here for this, I'm open to this, I'm just gonna, you know, experience this, maybe this will make me feel better about it or whatever. I don't need to like be like, you prove to me, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, if that- you're like, I'm coming to see you, other people think it's true, you're, you've got a gift or whatever, um, you know, there yeah, must you kinda- be something to this. You know? Yeah, you kind of got to go with it. That was kind of my point is like, I think if you go in those things and be like, all right, like if you treat it like a uh, a scene from like Law and Order where you're trying to prove a guy wrong. <laughs> right, I think, right, I think, right. You know, you're just kind of going in there with the wrong attitude. But, yeah, yeah. But because I agree with what Bryce is saying as well. Even some things, because she like immediately she was like, oh, he's showing me he's old. Plus the way like, sh- you know, the communicating is happening you know, to her. It's not like, I don't think words are like actually spoken. Like tell her, I said, come yeah. quat. You no, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. like, cause she's like, you know, she's probably like, he's showing me an orange. And I was like, an orange. What? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't know like, Oh, he's showing me this. And what does this mean? Like, you know, they're tr- like playing charades or well, whatever. That's, that's so funny. So I was just thinking that I've actually read that, that it's sort of like interpreting charades. I mean, it's sometimes it can be as clear as like words, but oftentimes it's, uh, you know, it's like that. It's like trying to decipher the clues to, you know, bring about a clear message, you know, but it is like think, charades. Yeah. Your dad's on the other end being like, all right, what do I got in this, uh, in this space to help me out? I have a bag <laughs> of words, oranges. Move, this is all I got. <laughs> so I'm going to use what I got and see if I can get through to Pam. <laughs> Maybe your dad was bad at charades. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's, uh, that's what I think it is. It's not like on poltergeist where it's just like everybody has their normal human form and they're like walking and doing things. I don't think they're like that, you know? Yeah. All right, Pamela, we have a game that we love to play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomena and if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. If you're somewhere on the fence, you still got to come down on one or the other. Okay. All right. This is a game that we call Bullshit or Believe It. Pam Murphy, Mm. on your mark, Mm. get set, ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. ESP. Believe it. Shadow people. Hmm. I don't know what it is, so I have to say. Well, like the shadow people that people see in their in their uh, night terrors, and, and oh, and, that's what shadow yeah. people are. Yeah. Well, then I'd have to believe it. Unicorns. Oh, 
Believe it. Alien abductions. Believe it. Yeti. Believe it. Mothman. Believe it. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Tarot cards. Believe it. Demonically possessed dolls. Bullshit. The healing power of crystals. Believe it. An alien spacecraft crashed at Roswell. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Atlantis. Believe it. Haunted Houses. Believe it. Skunk Ape. Bullshit. The Jersey Devil. Believe it. The Biblical Devil. Bullshit. Speaking to the Dead. Believe it. Mermaids. Believe it. Nice. The the government is (laughs) hiding the truth about Sasquatch. Huh. Believe it. Past lives. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Pam Murphy, you took well to that like a fish to water. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you got an A on Damn. that. A on that test. It sounds like you're you're very. Uh, I, I noticed a lot of passion in talking about UFOs and aliens. What do you think of all that stuff? Oh, of course there's aliens. Yeah, we're the only dummies. We suck <laughs> on this little pebble floating around in a big, yeah. huge space. We are it's, a backwater planet. It's so. I used to live in New Mexico, and I went to Roswell for, like, the 50th anniversary. Oh, what? shit. Yeah. What was that like? How would that it, go? It was just like a goo. You know who was there? I, Whitley. The Whitley guy wrote Communion. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He was there, and he did a talk, and I got to meet him. Um, what and like, was your impression of Whitley Strieber? I, I mean, I feel like I, he seems like a regular guy. Yeah. He seems like a regular guy who's had some irregular experiences, quite a few of them, actually. And not just not just what everybody knows him for, which is for the abductions that took place in his in his cabin. And was it it was at New York? Yeah, upstate New York. Yeah, but he's had he's had other experiences as well with these sort of what he calls, I think, entities uh, throughout his life. So fascinating guy. And he's written some pretty interesting works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, of course. I kind of feel like, right? Yeah. yeah. We're on board with you 100%. <laughs> We're like We're dummies. You. We don't have anything. They're like truly jetting around all over the place. You know? We have gold. <laughs> We're like, we went to the moon 60 years ago. <laughs> and that's it. And that's <laughs> where it ends. Now all we do is launch satellites for cell phones. <laughs> uh i like that you the first thing you drew the line at was demonically possessed dolls is that because of the demon part um annabelle i'm like why pick a doll (laughs) why pick an inanimate object when you could you know possess a person that's That's a good point much more efficient unless you really want to fuck with somebody yeah or you're like such a weak you're like such a weak, crappy little demon that you're like, uh, I guess I can only possess dolls. <laughs> now I like the idea of you taunting a possessed doll. And be like, <laughs> Stupid, weak little demon. Yeah. Oh, well, That's and great. Chucky. And Chucky, right? Yeah, Chucky. And I would say after you're done with this, uh, right before you go to bed, Google Robert the doll. Just Google Robert the haunted doll. And then <laughs> oh, really? Just right before. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. 
Do um, it. We have to go to break, but before we do that, Bryce, what's the name of that book you are reading? Because I know our listeners are going to want to jot. I that think it's down. called "Surviving Death" by Leslie Keene, and she was one of the authors of the uh, the New York Times article that broke in December of 2017 about black budget uh, UFO programs. And uh, it's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back right after this break with this week's story of high strangeness with our guest, Pam Murphy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Come take a trip in my airship. Come take a sail among the stars. Come have a ride around Venus. Come have a spin around Mars. No one to watch while we're kissing. No one to see while we spoon. Come take a trip in my airship and we'll visit the man in the moon. Bravo! Bravo! Good show! Good show! Good show, mate! Well done. That's the 1904 diddly. Come take a trip on my airship. Music by George Honeyboy Evans and lyrics by Ren Shields. That a song that YouTube poster sheet song music elegantly described as a fantasy song, a fantasy <laughs> love song set in a blimp. <laughs> but it's so much more than a blimp. Yeah. So much more than a blimp, folks, because what inspired that song is also tonight's story of high strangeness. The story of mystery airships. In the late 19th century, 50 years before the 1947 Roswell incident, the United States was experiencing a UFO flap of a slightly different variety as reports of mysterious airships and phantom dirigibles appeared in newspapers across the country. Last evening, between the hours of 6 and 7 o'clock, in the year of our Lord, 1896, a most startling exhibition was seen in the sky in the city of Sacramento. Thus began the thrilling tale that appeared on the front page of the Sacramento Bee on November 18, 1896. Just the night before, hundreds of witnesses saw a bright light attached to a strange craft floating over the city. One witness interviewed, a man by the name of R.L. Lowery, was walking past the Sacramento Brewery when he heard a voice cry out up above. Throw her up higher! She'll hit the steeple! Lowry looked up to see a bright light encased in some type of glass structure beneath a mezzanine-style box with multiple occupants within attached to a large cigar-shaped craft. The vessel was powered by what appeared to be two men sitting on a bicycle frame 
just over the searchlight. Lowry added that there were wheels at the side, like the side wheels on Fulton's old steamboat. Referring to Robert Fulton, the inventor of the commercial steamboat and the first practical submarine known as the Nautilus, which he first tested in 1800. Another witness to the Sacramento Mystery Airship was a man by the name of George Scott, who was an assistant to Lewis H. Brown, the Secretary of State of California. Scott apparently urged colleagues to join him on the observation deck of the Capitol Dome, where they could make out the craft and its three distinctive lights sailing across the skyline. The Phantom Dirigible, which another citizen named M.T. Shelley, who was categorized by the bee as a gentleman of undoubted veracity, described a 25-foot-wide and 150-foot-long airship that brought to mind the fictional flying multirotor gyrodyne flown by the titular character in Jules Verne's science fiction classic, Robert the Conqueror, published 10 years earlier in 1886. Could the citizens of Sacramento have been influenced by popular science fiction created by the Steven Spielberg of their time? The Wright brothers' successful flight at Kitty Hawk would not happen until 1903, and although guided balloons had been tested over the past century, the long-distance blimp as we know it today did not truly exist until the first flight of the Zeppelin LZ-1 in 1900. So what exactly was this airship that started to appear over the West Coast in November of 1896, gathering thousands of, thousands of eyewitnesses across California, Washington State, and Canada? Two days after the Sacramento Mystery Airship sighting, 50 miles south of the city, a man by the name of Colonel H.G. Shaw claimed not only to have a close look at the craft, but its occupants as well. According to Shaw, he was driving his horse-drawn buggy with a companion down a country road when suddenly his horse was startled to a halt as they came across the landed mystery ship. Shaw describes seeing a metallic vessel 150 foot in length and 25 feet in diameter with the only discernible feature being a rudder at one end. Three slender beings were congregated near the craft, chattering at one another in what Colonel Shaw described as warbling noises. As these close encounter stories often go, the colonel claims that the three beings tried dragging him on board before he fought them off and made his daring escape. One of them, at a signal from one who appeared to be the leader, attempted to lift me, probably with the intention of carrying me away. Shaw later described. He speculated that the entities he encountered were extraterrestrial in origin. Those we beheld were inhabitants of Mars who have been sent to the Earth for the purpose of securing one of its inhabitants. <laughs> Over the next few months into the spring of 1897, thousands of witnesses claimed to have seen a mystery airship in over 1,500 newspaper articles across the country. Sightings spread from the West Coast into Texas, the Oklahoma Territories, Kansas, Nebraska, 
Missouri, Iowa, Chicago, Illinois, and all the way to Michigan. On April 10th, 1897, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported the story of one W.H. Hopkins. Lots of initials in this story, kids. Keep up. (laughs) Who claimed to have come across a landed airship outside of Springfield, Missouri. The craft was 20 feet long and 8 feet in diameter with three large propellers. Hopkins encountered human-looking occupants, notably a beautiful naked woman and a naked bearded man. (laughs) When Hopkins asked where they came from, the two sexy humanoids murmured to one another and pointed to the sky, uttering a word that to the witness sounded like Mars. Curious minds across the nation speculated that an inventor must have been behind the mystery airship wave and that soon this mysterious individual would reveal a new type of flying aircraft to the public. Can I just say all I can think of is is Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch as the two lovers at Welshley Arms <laughs> in a hot tub above on the dirigible. <laughs> yes, lover. Yes, lover. We shall abduct him, lover. <laughs> Sorry. I love it. Skeptics criticized that the eyewitnesses simply did not know what they were looking at, likely mistaking the bright light of Venus for these phantom dirigibles. One eyewitness from Arkansas claimed that the crafts were actually developed by the military and piloted by American soldiers who told him that the airships were going to be used to drop bombs on Cuba and, quote-unquote, kill Spaniards. This was a reference to the growing tensions leading up to the Spanish-American War. One popular theory was that Thomas Edison himself was the inventor behind the airship flap, but that bubble was burst when he publicly denied his involvement. I prefer to devote my time to objects which have some commercial value. At best, airships would only be toys. The mystery airship flap came to a sudden end in late April 1897, but not before a proto-Roswellian crash story emerged from Aurora, Texas. On April 19, 1897, the Dallas Morning News reported, The early risers of Aurora, Texas were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship that has been sailing around the country. It was traveling north and much nearer the earth than before. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order, for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling towards the earth. It sailed over the public square. When it reached the north part of town, it collided with the tower of Judge Proctor's windmill and went into pieces with a terrific explosion, scattering debris all over several acres of ground wrecking the windmill and water tank and destroying the judge's flower garden. The pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one aboard. While his remains were badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Mr. T.J. Weems, the U.S. Army Signal Service officer at this place and authority on astronomy, gives it as his opinion that the pilot was a native of the planet Mars. Papers found on his person, evidently the records of his travels, 
are written in some unknown hieroglyphics and cannot be deciphered. This ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its construction or motive power. It was built of an unknown metal resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver, and it must have weighed several tons. The town today is full of people who are viewing the wreckage and gathering specimens of strange metal from the debris. The pilot's funeral will take place tomorrow. Now, astute BCC listeners will take note of the description of that mystery metal the strange hieroglyphics, and the dead alien pilot found in the Aurora wreckage, all consistent with the evidence that would allegedly be discovered during the Roswell UFO incident a half a century later at the J.B. Foster Ranch crash site in Corona, New Mexico. Could the crash at Aurora have been an actual spacecraft? Perhaps even the same type of UFO that would later crash at Roswell? No one really knows. The alien, nicknamed Ned, is allegedly buried in the Aurora Cemetery under a large tree. The headstone marking this body's burial burial site was stolen in the early 1970s. Its replacement headstone, a facsimile with a cigar-shaped UFO uh, etching, has also been stolen. Today, a large rock marks Ned's burial site, but Texas state law, which claims that next of kin must be notified before a grave is exhumed, have prevented ufologists and investigators from being able to dig up the grave site to confirm the existence of this out-of-this-world pilot. The well where metal pieces were supposedly buried was covered up in the 1950s but unearthed in 2008 during an episode of UFO Hunters. Disappointingly, no spaceship fragments were found, and subsequent investigations have likewise turned up empty, and the tale of the Aurora UFO goes unproven to this day. Mm. One notable townsperson believed the story to be a hoax. In 1980, Time Magazine interviewed Etta Peguis, an 80-year-old an 86-year-old Aurora resident who would have been a toddler during the time of the crash. She claimed that S.E. Hayden, the reporter who covered the, the crash story, wrote it to bring attention to Aurora, which had been passed by the railway and was facing economic decline. The late 1890s was a period of rampant yellow journalism in which papers across the country wrote fictional stories to help sell papers, promote thinly-veiled political agendas, like, say, We Should Bomb Cuba, and promote local interests. For more information, check out our episode of The Snallygaster uh, over on the other side. The fact the newspapers of the time would capitalize on mysterious airship sightings that began in November of 1896 pretty much goes without saying. But does that mean that all of the stories were faked, including the mass sighting in Sacramento that kicked off the whole thing? Frustratingly, we will never know for sure. We must be content with enjoying the stories at face value, if not with a large grain of salt. But the similarities of the 1896-1897 mystery airship flap and the 1947 flying saucer flap are too strong to ignore, perhaps signifying that we are routinely visited by aerial phenomena 
not of this world, or at the very least, whatever is going on in our nation's nation's skies may not just be of extraterrestrial origin, but a part of the fabric of the American experience itself. Primary sources for this story come from Plane and Pilot Magazine's Ghost Airships of the 1800s, Texas Escapes, Great Airship Mystery, Unmuseum.org, The UFO Hunters TV Show, Wikipedia, and more. I'll list all the sources in today's show notes. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is in a nutshell the mystery airship flap of 1896 and 1897. Wow. Crazy. Here, here. Yeah, well told, old chap. Well told. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Pamela. Yes. Pam. Yes. What do you think about these crazy Jules Verne-like airships flying over uh, our country at the turn of the century? Of course. Of course. I think that, like... They couldn't even comprehend what they were seeing. So, like, somebody's riding a bicycle in an empty box, <laughs> and then there's a cigar attached to it. Right. And they're like, what? They just, like, couldn't comprehend what they were, like, looking at. Yeah, they they really did describe a lot of, like, the <laughs> wheels that uh, Laurie, the the guy that Bry- uh, Bryce played at the beginning of the story, He a lot of these illustrations have these, like, they look like blimps, but with, like, those, you know, those big wheels at the back of a steamboat like if, when you go to disneyland yeah, and you like ride a paddle, the Mark Twain. like a paddle boat yeah, or whatever they almost the had big... those types of of fans or wheels on their sides or propellers on their sides oh uh, yeah um really intricate total totally what would look like a science fiction vehicle of the time mm-hmm. but not quite a flying saucer you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. Because they probably were like, so they probably couldn't comprehend like, oh, a jet is like pushing out like air, immense light, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they, they like there's no like huge floodlights at the time. They don't know what like a lot of right? light looks yeah. like, That's like a, a lot point. of electricity. Yeah, I mean, like. it was like lighthouses were probably the biggest kind of like searchlights that they had at the time. I would right, imagine. right. Uh, but but some things are consistent with UFO descriptions. The cigar shape is something we often hear about. Yeah. And then sort of that mezzanine level, that box shape with portholes where you can see occupants inside. Yeah, pilots. It, there yeah. Was some, there's something fascinating, too, about, you know, I, I would read about these in Passport to Magonia, and they would often send down, like, anchors from these dirigibles. And, yes. and, and sometimes these pilots would ascend and descend these anchors. As a matter of fact, one hit ground in Sioux City, where my family's from, and the anchor dragged through this man's farm and, and injured him and carried him along with it. <laughs> yes. It's so strange because... You know, the brain is a very complex thing, and when it witnesses something that it can't understand, it, it it sort of contextualizes it in another way. I think, you know, this – what I didn't get – what I got from this time is it reminded me of the of the Phoenix uh, – you know, the, the Phoenix lights, which slowly moved across totally. Phoenix, you know? This seemed to be the same type of phenomenon slowly making its way eastward across the United States – and uh, interacting with just thousands of eyewitnesses, and uh, and they all saw it the same. You know, it was like an airship, and it had people aboard. And sometimes they would tinker with the mechanics of it, and and bicycle like parts. And it's just so strange how this phenomenon 
manifests itself and and why yeah it's crazy what a fascinating story and and like other flaps we've covered later into the 20th century you know it lasted a few months this was going from november yeah until mid-november until mid-april the next year and then just like that it stopped well and people could predict where it was coming right so if it was like in denver you knew that it might be coming to uh you know, Omaha or, or Iowa next. So you could actually plan accordingly and, and try and get eyes on this thing. You know, I, I, I've, I'm fascinated by where, why everybody thought it came from Mars. And, and I, I pulled up some reading here. You know, the popularization of the idea that canals, there was an idea that Mars had canals. And it came mm-hmm. from an Italian astronomer named Giovanni Schiaparelli, who believed he saw a system of straight lines on the surface of Mars, which he called canal in 1877. And although the Italian word, it could be translated to mean channels, you know, people, the idea sort of took off and a wealthy American astronomer named Percival Lowell performed his own observations of Mars and saw the same type of lines. But Lowell went one step further uh, and concluded that these canals were because uh, that there must be intelligent beings. And these were actually vegetation rows uh, and so that that all aliens, anything alien must be coming from Mars because we can see in our scopes that they're well, they have rows of vegetation. It's so crazy. Well, and that all that canal stuff was what inspired H.G. Wells to write War of the Worlds, which, of course, started being serialized in in the UK in 1897 and Wild. then was published in a book in 1898. So this is all going on during this time. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. So, Pam, what, what do you it? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? Um, <laughs> it's just like if it was following such a path that you could predict where it was going, it's like maybe they were like surveyors. They're like explorers and they're like, all right, like, so we got to see what's here and what's there. They're like methodically going over it. Yeah. You know, totally, from yeah. like someplace else. That- or, well, and it's coming right at the time of the birth of the industrial age, too. You know, just yeah. like in 1947 was the birth of the atomic age. I wonder if these things pop up at certain period or, points of yeah, human they're history. Like, What's going on? There's like a lot of pollution from over here. Yeah. And so they're like, zoom over to our part of the galaxy. And they're like, look at these idiots. Well, and another theory I might <laughs> offer is. I thought one of the more interesting notes of, of, of sort of studying the Phoenix, Phoenix lights, and it's not talked about quite often, was that when these large triangle-shaped ships would pass over Phoenix, and this was in the, in the 80s, I believe, wasn't it? It doesn't matter. 90s. Get the date. 90s. 90s, thank you. Uh, it was 94, but let What me, wasn't really reported is people sort of like, they felt their consciousness changing. In other words, they would just stare up at the sky, they wouldn't really know what to do, and they felt a sense of like, euphoria sense of mysticism almost and people would recall later that that it was almost like it was interfacing with their consciousness almost giving it an upgrade uh for lack of a better term perhaps you know these dirigibles as they're floating across the united states in the late 1800s perhaps it was maybe doing some of the same thing it was sort of changing the consciousness of uh of human beings there in america Um, something's food for thought yeah, mm. no, that's a great point. Ninety seven, and I, I ninety seven, right? Jeez, uh, way March off. of ninety seven, March February, March of ninety seven. Um, yeah, I think that a lot of these stories that were in the paper were probably fabricated. Were just probably good yarns inspired by an actual flap that was happening. You know, like I'm not sure if the anchor story is 
real. I'm not sure if the naked man and woman outside St. Louis is real, (laughs) but I do, but I do, I think this is like people hopping on the bandwagon kind of like, you know, we would see like how we started seeing memes and TikTok videos of the, you know, let's raid area 51 shit. You know what I mean? I think that's sort of like the TikTok or the Instagram of the time, people building on that mythology and that folklore in real time. But I do think that there was something happening that was inspiring all of that, you know, and that's not to say that every story was fabricated in the least. Mm. Right. But I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Um, And it's a cool, you know, it's enough that that they wrote songs about it. (laughs) Well, what, what we do know is that people don't witness dirigibles anymore and that the shape or the transformation of the of the phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon has changed and has continued to change and morph. It went from dirigibles to uh, rocket ships to boomerang saucers to what now we today would be the Tic Tac. And so whatever it is, this this UFO phenomenon, it's changing, it's morphing. And uh, and it continues to do so. Yeah, and it's changing along with our folklore and pop culture That's and right. science fiction to kind of match what our idea of what this thing might look like be. That's I right. Think. Yeah, because it's also like, well, I mean, different things is like their technology is changing, like probably, you know, so much more quickly than ours is. And yeah, that's a great point. Then uh, also it's not just one. I'm sure it's like other could be other beings. So here's here's a wild idea, and this has kind of come up in a few forms before. But what if, what if whatever this thing is 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 not from another planet, but it's from another dimension, and it's actually dependent on our development of science fiction to build and mythology to build its ships there you go. to cross uh, over <laughs> and be seen by us. You Listen, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like it's it, dependent it, yes. on the stories we tell to manifest itself in our reality. Yeah, it, they're like, FTLs, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, needs, I, it uses our brain as a receiver to transmit its signal. And and if our brain is receiving like, hey, I can comprehend a, a flying dirigible with bicycle pedals, then but, so shall it be. But I'm... Yes, but I'm taking this even further and saying, what if it's literally the 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 myths and the stories that we tell in our folklore that they feed off the stories themselves to build the things, to build the thought forms that they're going to show up as? That's you know cool. what I mean? Fuck yeah! So it's it's like the collective conscious, the collective unconscious build, manifesting you know, and feeding itself. Yeah, off of know. our thoughts. Yeah, fuck yeah! Uh-huh. Why not? That's a wild. That's my that's favorite my... answer. I'm, I'm on board with that. That's <laughs> yeah. really the more we talk I, I about this, you like the more that, I'm really. like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up another episode of the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Pam Murphy, thank you so much for being our guest. What a delight it was having you on the show. Oh my uh, gosh, thank you so much. Pam, we don't know where to find Bigfoot, but where can our listeners find you? Oh, well, you know, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Murphy, please. And <laughs> you might want to listen to I Will Write Your Book, which is a <laughs> podcast with Will Hines um, that I do. Yes, and I was recently a guest on exactly. it. Exactly, come out yet or not? But yes, to keep an eye out for today. 
Oh, this terrific. Okay. Congratulations. So it'll be out now, <laughs> and it's uh, particularly on brand. Uh, so I think our, our, it is. our Bigfoot Collectors Club uh, listeners will enjoy it, and you should just listen to it anyway because uh, Pam and Will are hilarious. Um, so check that out. And then uh, tell, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the podcast is? What like What's the concept? Uh, the concept is that Will Hines plays a character called Will Hines, who um, is a ghostwriter, and I am his copy editor, Karen Donahue, and we have guests on, uh, and they tell us about the book that they want Will Hines to ghostwrite. It's very Love fun. It. Uh, Did I explain it right? Yeah, Did I yeah, do it perfect. good? Yeah, Does it make sense? Perfect. Does it yep. sound fun? Yes. <laughs> and I still there's still time left in the elevator. So, <laughs> uh, uh, boys, anything to plug? Um, the new Spindrift album is finally going to presale uh, through oh, our shit. label, Alternative Tentacles. So, uh, by the time this is up, I think I will have announced that the presale is active. Um, and uh, as some of you may know, it, Spindrift's been having uh, kind of a hard time. So that's why we uh, launched the presale. Uh, more on that on our Instagrams. But Killer. yeah, go check it out. Buy the new record. Name it's coming soon. It's called Classic Soundtracks Volume 3. Great. Yeah. I will uh, remind me, Riley, I'll throw a link up uh, as well in the show notes of this episode so they can go Excellent. directly yeah. to that presale. I'll be getting that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just plug my game. Christmas is right around the corner if you want to have a, a, a laugh with uh, whoever you're spending Christmas with in your pod, then uh, try my game, Dirty Picture Cover-Up. Just go to thedpcugame.com. It's a fucking blast. You will love it. Uh, tag us if you play on social media and uh, yeah, look forward to that. And uh, no plugs for me, but please uh, subscribe to the other side at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And then also do us a big one. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. And if you do it, we might read it right here on the show like this one. This is one of the best five stars by the boy from Spoon Nation. Oh, you must be a Mike Mitchell fan. Uh, Doughboys listener, thank you so much. Uh, and they write, this is such a great and informative podcast. That's perfect. Has short sweets. Great. We'll take whatever you got. Uh, all right, guys, that's another episode. Pam Murphy. Thanks again. Check out all of her stuff. Listen to, I will write your book. It's a fun show. And until next week, good night and go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.